You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eckers Soap here. Excited to continue our Teacher Appreciation Week series, talking a little less COVID, a little more education from all sorts of angles, classroom teaching, outside classrooms, schools, policy, you name it, we got them. Lots of alums are on that topic, and we're excited to have one today from the 2009 NLC SF class, Leora Wolf. Prasanna is here. We'll catch up with her. She does some interesting work on education I think you'll enjoy hearing about. It's very timely. So let's get to it. All right, Lyra, when people ask you what you do for a living, how do you usually answer that question? I usually say for money or for not money. (laughs) Uh, For money and also pleasure and joy and justice. I work for the Center for Applied Research Solutions. We're a small... um, agency that does work in the intersection of behavioral health, uh, mental health, racial justice, and educational equity. And I'm the director of partnerships and learning. And I work, um, I have many projects, but right now, one of which is as the school mental health field director for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, the federal government. And I support the um, school mental health workforce of the U.S. Pacific Islands, California, Hawaii, Nevada, and Arizona. Um, as well as being on a national task force for school mental health, grief and grieving. Um, and I do a lot of work around trauma-informed school, uh, school coaching and leadership, healing-centered schools. And we just last week won uh, a five-year grant to support school crisis recovery and renewal leadership led by teachers focusing on educator mental health. So super excited about that body of work. Yeah, congrats on that. And so what were your staff meetings like when it became clear (laughs) students were going to be out of school for a considerable amount of time and it's going to be a whole new world? What was the agenda like for that first meeting? Yeah, I think um, while there were many meetings, I think the, the funny part of this whole time period is that we were already in the work of school crisis, readiness, recovery. Uh, response recovery and renewal. And um, and we do a lot of work around grief sensitive and death and dying in schools. And so this time just happened to like elevate and heighten work that we've been advocating for for a long time. And what it also did is it caused us to think about what are the knowledge points that educators and school mental health leaders need to know, but also what are the spaces that we need to carve out for them so that we get to provide for those who are providing. So, you know, we think a lot in concentric circles of care. I say a lot, if we want our students to come to school ready to learn, we have to support our teachers to come to school ready to teach and our school leaders come to school ready to lead. And so when we think about those concentric circles of care, we, we wanted to provide programming that rippled out in that same way. Um, So a lot of our programming was, what are we doing always? And what should we be doing, especially now? Um, And that especially now is really focused on educator mental health. And there's gonna be such an intense pressure when we do see students again in schools to catch them up, right to avoid any COVID slides or COVID slides plus the summer slide, you're you're gonna see, I think, such an intense urgency. How would you recommend uh, educators balancing that neither they'll definitely feel to help kids get back to where they need to be academically, but also with their own stress and all the realities in their own lives and also taking into account what the kids have gone through the last four, five, six months. Yeah, it's such an interesting question because in that a question is is, is kind of an inherent assumption that the first and foremost purpose of schools is academic achievement. And that can be true for some school cultures. And also, I think what we're seeing 
deeply um, sharpened and more attuned is that schools can be the platforms for meaning making and healing and also regulation to then learn. And so we're actually seeing this um, kind of internalized collective understanding now that in order to get to that academic output to student learning outcomes that we're looking not only at the whole student but also the whole educator and the whole school so there is there will be pressure to quote-unquote get back on track and make up for learning loss but I actually think that we're gaining a great amount in this moment because we're gaining a heightened awareness of all the elements that go into a student really being in a relationship and in a environment that is warm and welcoming and, and nurturing in order to do that learning. So I'm, I'm hopeful actually that this time is going to do some paradigm interruption so that the pressure isn't to force and put um, outcomes onto students and onto teachers, but actually that district and state leadership um, can really weave in the learning that we've been having in this moment of the importance of, um, of significant relationships and of um, holistic health to then get to that learning. And do you think these outcomes that you're talking about, are they able to be achieved with lean school staffs? Because I think one of the realities mm-hmm. we're also going to sadly mm-hmm. see is, is just school budgets with giant holes in them. Totally. And a lot of the really valuable valuable staff that you'd want on a campus, whether it's counselors or whether it's intervention teachers or whether it's uh, just, just even extra kind of co-teachers or instructional aides won't won't be there. Uh, so what yeah. kind of advice would you have for, for teachers or for school systems as they, they think through how to, to live up to that ideal you just stated, but knowing that there's going to be intense pressure financially? Yeah, we're also going to see a lot of, um, a lot of educators most likely um, either decide not to return or feel like they can't return because of Oh, many, many challenges that they're experiencing in their life. So lots of compassion out to a lot of the educators right now who are navigating the personal and the professional boundary blur. But I think to your, to the question, um, one, one glimmer of hope that I have been seeing and that makes me just, like I said, just gives me a lot of hope is that um, heightened, I'm going to continue to say <laughs> And Sharpman, but it's true. This time is really surfacing <laughs> a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, and and so um, what we're seeing is is also school leaders really getting the importance of intersectional partnerships right now. And so we might see teaming and partnering and collaboration in really creative and necessary ways. So while we might have compressed staff, or while we might have um, gaps in the pre-COVID architecture, we might actually have a new way of arriving of adults working well together to support the students um, that they serve. So I, I don't know, I'm not trying to be Pollyannish, but I, I, I do hope that this time actually might force us to get even more innovative and more interdependent than we may have been willing to do in the previous structure of, the, of our work. When we come back, we'll stay on this topic of what we're going to see potentially in education once things maybe kind of go back to normal. (laughs) We'll see, at least when we see students again. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Lyra, I was curious about if you could pick a a perfect education secretary, right? Someone who (laughs) would replace Betsy DeVos when Trump loses. Like, Uh what is the what is the profile of that? What is the profile of that person for you? Mm. Oh, Eric, that's such a big question. Oh, man. Um, 
I've, I've heard a lot of folks pitching Warren for that role, but I think we need her in other areas. I, um, no, let's go to characteristics. I think, you know, I would want, we want an education secretary who is going to understand what conditions need to be deeply interrupted in order to serve not only students, but also the educators that make up our school systems. We want a school secretary that has um, a deep commitment to anti-racism. We want a school secretary that has a deep commitment to the intersections of mental health and education um, and, and, you know, really does see schools as, as community platforms, as, as the center point, as the heartbeat of so many of our communities. And, um, and I'm really hoping that whoever steps in um, is coming from a, a paradigm of more happens when we think creatively and intersectionally rather than, um, rather than from a competition and scarcity mindset. Uh, and and more power with than power over. I mean, our teachers and our educators right now, I think that's what we have definitely seen in the last seven weeks. I don't even know how long we've been doing this at this point, but seven weeks we've seen most of the answers come from the ground up. And so we'd want a school, we want a, a secretary of education who understands that the real work is happening on the ground and how do we create conditions that don't, limit that work, but actually lift it up. And we've been asking folks as a last question, because mm. it is Teacher Appreciation Week, mm-hmm. who was your favorite teacher growing up? <laughs> um, my, uh, well, I have many, which is because I'm a nerd, but my Mrs. Levinson actually wore black and white and red, and those were the only colors, and she was my first grade teacher, and I remember that. But I will give a specific shout out to um, my principal, my KA principal, Mr. Heller, when I was in eighth grade. Of course, this is like, welcome to NLC nerddom. But when I was in eighth grade, I went into his office and I pitched an eighth grader to fourth grader mentorship program. And I matched all my classmates in eighth grade to fourth graders to provide a peer reading program. And he took his glasses off and had me sit down and let me present and let me do it and made it happen. And I will never forget the power of an educator taking young people seriously and seeing them as, as the catalyst to their own creativity. And that has inspired me ever since. I love it. Listen, thanks for coming on. And thanks yeah. for all the work that you're doing and the way that you're doing it. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all the educators who are doing the hard work right now. We celebrate you, not only alums in the NLC community, but educators across the country. Make sure to check out their stories as we drop more Zach episodes this week. Stay tuned. More coming soon. And you can get those podcasts all the places where you find them. SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, they're all there. So until next time, we'll catch you soon.